Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. This message was preached on January 23, 2022, as part of the series Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. As we continue our study of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, we are coming to a very beautiful passage today. Excuse me young and pregnant and probably very nervous Mary goes from Nazareth to a little town near Jerusalem to spend time with her much older but also pregnant relative Elizabeth. There may be as much as 40 years between the two, but think about it before we read. They had much in common. They were relatives. Traditionally, King James says, cousins, but the word just means they were related, they were relatives somehow. They both had been blessed by God with miraculous pregnancies. Elizabeth, well beyond the normal childbearing years, Mary, a virgin, and they both knew that their sons had very special roles in God's kingdom. And so undoubtedly, they had much to talk about. They probably compared pregnancies Elizabeth, in her third trimester, probably gave Mary some advice. She was in her early months. They talked about their husbands, Zechariah and Joseph. They talked about the future. They talked probably about this great adventure that they had of following God and their role in it. It must have been a good time for them as they talked and they prayed together and enjoyed each other's company. And our passage today that we're going to read kind of describes their greeting. Now, remember, this was a time in which there was no mass communications, no telephones, no texting, no no social media, so probably Elizabeth had no knowledge that Mary was coming, and this was a great and very pleasant and very joyous surprise. And then, after the greeting, we get to this beautiful passage of spontaneous praise from Mary, in, in which she just couldn't hold it in and she just gave her praise to God. It's usually called Mary's song. So let's stand together as we read Luke 1, 39. A personal story, but a a great passage of Mary going to visit Elizabeth. And it's in Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 39. And here's how it reads. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy." Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. 
He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. You may be seated. I love the fact that Luke included these personal statements and moments like this in his gospel because it wasn't all miracles and sermons and big events. A passage like this reminds us that Mary and Joseph and Zechariah and Elizabeth were real people with real families. Their sons, Jesus and John, would know each other. John, of course, would baptize Jesus. Some of John's disciples would become disciples of Jesus. Both of them would preach to big crowds and generate both extreme devotion and extreme controversy. And both of them would die tragic deaths. You know the rest of the story, John would be beheaded and Jesus would be crucified. And they met, and I love this part, they met while still in the womb. I want you to watch this clip because I think it's very well done from the movie, The Nativity. It kind of shows the greeting between Mary and Elizabeth and some of their personal connection and obvious love and real joy. Let's watch. that the mother of my lord should come to me. The moment I heard your voice, my child leapt in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believes the Lord's words. <sighs> Are you frightened? Yes. My husband has been chosen for me. The law says I was to remain pure for a year. How is he to believe this? Stay with us then. We will pray for guidance. Elizabeth? Why is it me God has asked? I am nothing. Oh, child. Mine too. 
It's a sweet and beautiful scene, both in the movie and in the scripture. And it's a very touching and personal part of the story. But I want you to think, as we have been, about what it teaches us about Jesus and then it, what it does it teach us about those of us who want to follow Jesus. And about Jesus, there are really probably two primary things that I want us to understand based on this passage and then apply them to our own lives. Number one, and I really want you to get this and I want you to understand it and I want you to live it and I want it to become part of who you are. I need you to understand that Jesus brings joy. Now, I love that scene. There it is, I don't know. Jesus brings joy. I love that scene for the, the actresses obviously communicated the joy that they felt in their pregnancies, in their calling, in their future sons, in their service to God. And you can see John's reaction even from the womb as Elizabeth told Mary, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. For joy. Listen, Jesus, if we understand him correctly and if we're following him correctly, Jesus brings joy. He did it to John, he did it to Elizabeth, he did it to Mary, he did it to Joseph, he did it to his disciples, he did it to those he healed, he did it to those he fed, he did it to those who put their faith in him. Jesus brings joy. And understand this, if Jesus is not bringing you joy if your faith is not bringing you real joy then you're doing it wrong and there's something about your faith that that is lacking and I see a lot of people who are doing it wrong just like the Pharisees I see a lot of people who have reduced their faith in a living God to, to just a set of laws and rules and so they end up, instead of being happy and joyous and, and talking about love and forgiveness and blessings, they end up just lecturing people on right and wrong, and they're mad when the rules aren't followed. They've forgotten the good things of the faith. And they are very much like the New Testament Pharisees. And sometimes, honestly, we need to be reminded that that's often how the world sees us. We're against this, and we don't like that, and we're mad about this, and we're upset about that. And, and if the world just sees anger and doesn't see joy, then we have totally miscommunicated the faith of Jesus. We shouldn't be known for what we're against, but for what we're for. We believe in Jesus. We believe in love. We believe in forgiveness. We believe in joy. And if we understand it correctly, Jesus brings joy. I see a lot of people in the Christian world today who are consumed with anger. They're mad at the world. They're mad about the election. They're mad at other people groups. They're mad at other faiths. They're even mad at people within the Christian world who don't believe exactly like they do on all of the secondary things. Now, listen, and you need to hear this, because anger can be motivating for a while, but anger will destroy your character if you let it. So if anger is what's moving you, then you need to rethink your faith. Jesus brings joy. No believer should be living in a state of constant anger. And I see some people in the Christian world who I don't even know what to call them. They're just grumps. A traffic jam ruins their whole day. A flat tire ruins their whole 
week. Their team losing ruins their life until next season. I had to get past that. I'm a Raiders fan. And, and, and you, you got to move beyond. Okay, it's a, it's a minor disappointment that should last a few seconds. I want you to understand this. I've cheered for three teams in the football playoffs so far. I cheered for the Raiders. They lost. I cheered for the Cardinals. They lost. I cheered for the Packers. They lost. I'm 0-3. I'm going to cheer just out of spite for Tampa Bay today and hope that the Rams win. <laughs> And these same people allow a disagreement to destroy a friendship. Listen, you and I need to learn to take our eyes off the issues and the problems and the challenges and the disagreements and focus on Jesus. Jesus brings joy. And if we're not understanding that, then we're doing our faith wrong and we've reduced it to something that it is not, just another religion. It's a relationship with the living God. God is real. Jesus is alive. He has forgiven us. He has loved us. He has given us direction. Jesus brings joy. And I was thinking about some of the ways that Jesus brings me joy this week. He's a loving and a good God. He came to earth because he loved Jack. He died because he loved Jack. He rose again and led me to follow him. He's given me a reason to live. He's enrolled me in the great adventure of following Jesus. He's put me in a family of people who are held together by love and not by biology or culture or skin color or language or politics or citizenship. I'm talking about the church there. He promises to come and get me when my time on earth is over. He promises to come and take me to be with him forever. And if these things don't bring you joy, then my hunch is you just don't believe to the level that you should. Your life can be challenging at times, and life can be hard, but we have greater things that bring us joy. And I wanted to remind you of that. You see it in Mary. You see it in Elizabeth. You see it in John, even in the womb. And I'm not sure what a baby in the womb, because I can't remember. I I don't know what a baby in the womb has joy about, but he found joy in Jesus. And if we let the world see only the grumpy side, the mad side, the anger side, that we don't like this, we don't like that, we're against that, this frustrates us, this makes us mad, we are not communicating Jesus the way Jesus really is. Jesus brings joy. Did you get that part? Jesus, then wipe the frowns off your faces. Jesus brings joy. And if we really understand who he is, that he is God, that he loved us so much that he came to earth, that he died for us because he loved you and me, and that he rose again and looked us in the eye and said, I love you, come follow me. And he's given us a reason to live. When we understand those things, then the challenges of life fade away in the joy that Jesus brings, Jesus brings joy. And number two, Jesus is worthy of praise. This song, or hymn, or poem, are just a spontaneous outburst of praise that Mary gave is one of two in this chapter alone. We've already looked at the other one by Zechariah. 
So I want you to see something, because you got Mary praising God spontaneously, you got Zechariah praising God spontaneously. Mary was young, Zechariah was old. Mary was a woman, Zechariah was a man. Mary was a humble farm girl, Zechariah was a highly educated priest. Praise is not a female thing or a scholarly thing or a young person's thing. It's a Christian thing. And whether we proclaim it from the mountaintops and the pulpit or whether we just feel it in our hearts, spontaneous praise is part of who we are. Jesus brings joy. He also leads us to praise because we recognize he is worthy of praise. Now I want us to look at some of the particulars of Mary's praise to God. And I want you to pay attention because in a few minutes I'm going to give you some homework. Yeah, pastors are allowed to do that. I'm going to give you some homework, okay, to write your own words of praise. Maybe you've never done that before. We think of that, that's the, the psalmist's jobs, and, 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 and that's the songwriter's job, and it's Mary Kay's job. But I'm going to ask you all to write your words of praise, so pay attention to some of the things that, that uh, Mary praised God for here. And I want to give you four of them. There are many more. You could really preach on her song for, for, for weeks. But some of her praise was in this regard. She says, he lifts the humble and scatters the proud. Which, by the way, is the opposite of what the world does. The world praises the rich, the famous, the popular, the confident, the arrogant, the highly talented, the one percenters. Mary praises God in verse 48, for he has been mindful of the humble state, humble state of his servant. And in verse 51, he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. And in verse 52, he has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. She is a peasant farm girl. God paid attention to her. And she praises God for that. And we may be nobody in the eyes of the world. But God pays attention to us. Oh, maybe we'd like it if we were rich. Maybe we'd like it if we were famous. But I look at the rich and the famous, and they don't seem to be enjoying life. So let's remember that we praise God because when we're nobody, God pays attention to us. So he lifts the humble, he scatters the proud. Secondly, she went on to say that she praises God because he offers mercy. Verse 50, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. Listen, the world up to that point had shown the Jews no mercy. And for the most part, they still don't. And Mary recognized this as a young Jewish girl. But she also recognized, but God does offer mercy. And he's praising God because you remember us you forgave us. You love us. And not because you have to, but because, God, you are a merciful God. And so he praised God. she praised God because he lifted the humble. He offers mercy. She praises God, see, because he feeds the hungry. Verse 53 says, He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. Mary recognized something about God that would be true and a trademark of Jesus. 
It's a trademark of Jesus' ministry, and it's a trademark of any real Christian ministry today, and that is that God focuses on the poor, the hungry, the hurting, the grieving, the sick, and those who need it the most. And we will see this as we go through the Gospel of Luke. The, the, the kinds of people, now he loved all people, I'm not saying that, but he focused his, his attention most on those who the world would say at the bottom. You're sick, you don't matter. You've got no real talents, you don't matter. You've got some deadly disease, leprosy, where you can't even be around us. And so to the world, you don't matter. Those are the people that Jesus focused, it, focused his ministry on. And she recognizes this about God. And this would be true of her son. And so she praises God for it. He offers mercy. He feeds the hungry. And D, she praised God because he keeps his word. Verse 55 says, God remembers Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised. And so she recognized something true about God. He does not forget his word. He does not forget his promises, even if he made them thousands of years ago. And so the promises in his words are true. And knowing that, that his promises are true, honestly, that's what keeps me going. Jesus does forgive. Jesus will return. The promise of heaven is true. And some days I have to remind myself that Jesus will honor the preaching of his word. And I have to remind myself on that because every preacher goes through those days in which you feel like the, the, the word, the power didn't go beyond the front of the pulpit and it stopped there and nobody paid attention and nobody was changed and nobody was impacted and nobody made a decision for Christ. Every preacher and teacher of the gospel goes through that some days, but we rely on his promise, his word, that his word as preached will not return void. And that even if I don't see it, God will keep his word. We've got all these promises. He will give everlasting life to anyone who believes on him and calls on his name. God keeps his word. And see, the, these are some of the many things that Mary praised God for. He lifts the humble. He offers mercy. He feeds the hungry. He keeps his word. And so two things that I really want you to remember about Jesus today is that he brings joy and he is worthy of praise. So what about us? What do we do next? I want to give you two things today that I'm kind of challenging you to do today. Two things about us that are also our next steps. Number one, I want you to examine your life as you currently live it. Examine your faith as you're currently living it. Does it bring you joy and lead you to praise? Think about that. Be honest about it. Because too often, the Christian faith, as people live it today, becomes a sterile thing that lacks joy and doesn't lead people to praise. You go to church, 
You stand up, you sing the songs, you bow your head, you listen to the preaching, you say amen, and you go home. Now, I'm not putting you down if that happens because I think everybody that's been a Christian for a long, long time has had those Sundays and those days. But I am telling you this, if that's the way you're living right now, you need a fresh infusion of God in your life. If church attendance and prayer and study and service are only obligations, they're only routines, they're only habits, then you need a fresh infusion of God in your life. Listen, for church staff members, if serving the church is only your job and not your joy, then you need a fresh infusion of God in your life. If singing the songs and listening to the preacher are only things to endure rather than acts of praise, then you need a fresh infusion of God in your life. And I want to tell you something. It's not complicated to get that. Ask for it. Be willing to say to God, I don't know what's going on with me, but right now I've lost the joy. I've lost the enthusiasm. I'm not sure when I'm singing the songs and I'm really praising you. I'm just singing the songs. And I'm not sure when we're praying that I'm really praying. I'm just kind of bowing my head and giving the words that I learned to say. That happens to all of us, I think, at one time or another. And we need to be honest before God and ask for a fresh infusion of his work in our life. By the way, personal confession. I have to do that often. When writing a sermon becomes my job, when prayer meetings are just another meeting to lead, when Bible study becomes only something I have to do because I'm a preacher and I'm supposed to and I got to get a sermon ready, then I have to ask God for a return of the joy, a return of the heart, and a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. And if preachers need to do this, then we all need to do it. So examine your faith as you're currently living it. I'm not putting you down because I think at one time or another we've all been there. It's good to do things out of obligation, but we want to do them more than out of obligation. It's good to do things because it's a good habit, but we want to do it because it's more than a habit. It's good to do what your church does and participate, but we want to do it for bigger reason than just this is what our church does. We want to feel it. We want God to be at work in our life. We want it to be more than just the Christian culture that we're a part of. We want to do it because we have a real joy in following God. Because Jesus really is our Lord, and we're living the great adventure of following him. So if you find yourself in that kind of low, discouraged, depressed kind of state right now, I'm not putting you down at all because I've been there numerous times. I'm just telling you to confess it before God and ask for a fresh filling of his Holy Spirit. I went to a conference one time. One of those pastors' conferences that... that uh, we go to from time to time, and um, I've learned to both dread them and enjoy them. Because often I've gone, you know, it's just another thing on, on the calendar. 
but then often letting other people lead and me just sitting in the pew, usually in the back row because I'm a Baptist, okay? <laughs> I, I prayed to God, re-enthuse me, re-excite me, refill me with your spirit. And I'm asking you to, to, to do that today if that's where you are. If it's just a routine and a habit, ask God to make it more. So examine your faith as you currently live it, and if the answer doesn't bring you joy and lead you to praise, if it's no, admit that to God. Because we want our service to God to be more than a job. And the second thing I'm going to ask you to do, this is your homework, by the way, and I told you it was coming, so this won't surprise you, is to write your own song of praise. And think about what it would include. Now, I know this is different from the, the, the final steps that I, I normally give you, but it will be incredibly helpful if you sit down for half an hour or so, just you and God and a piece of paper and a pen and your Bible, and write your own words of praise. You can use Mary's as a guide, but then make it personal and make it yours. I praise you, God, because... Finish that sentence. I love you, God, because. Finish that sentence. I am amazed by you, God, because. Finish that sentence. Now, you don't necessarily need to sing it or publish it or share it with anyone except for God. You can send it to me if you want, and I'd love to read it. But by all means, what I want you to do is read it to God. God, I've thought about this, I've prayed about this, I've looked into your word, and God, this is what I feel about you. And use it. I mean, if you're Mary Kay, you'll sing it. If you're Holly, you'll probably dance while you do it. If you're Tom, you'll sit there and look at Holly and shake your head. It doesn't matter how you do it. I'm not talking about emotion. I'm talking about an honest statement of God from your heart saying, God, this is what I feel about you. Jesus brings joy. And Jesus is worthy of praise. And I want us to live lives like that. And if you're not there today, please understand, I'm not putting you down because I've been there. I'm just telling you to do what I've done many times in my life. Go to God, maybe at the altar or right there in the pew, and say, right there, right now, I'm not there. I'm depressed, I'm discouraged, I'm frustrated, and I'm looking at all the negative rather than all the good. I need a fresh filling of you and your Holy Spirit. And so if you'd like to pray that prayer today, that will honor God. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church. If we can help you in any way, please contact us. Our information is on our webpage at abcaz.net or you can call us at 623-932-2723. Thank you and may God bless you and your family.